the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 243. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Nora Wexley. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of February 18th through March 3rd. We have a total of two books to cover in depth. We have a bunch of news, including solicitations and sale numbers to cover. And then, uh, obviously, we have Greater Gotham and some listener Q&As later on. So, let's jump straight into the news. So, sales came out for the month of January. We're a little bit behind on talking about this, but because as as you're listening to this, sales numbers for the month of February will be right around the corner. But as expected, Doomsday Clock took the number one slot yet again. Dark Knight's Metal took the number two slot. Batman, uh, both issues of Batman took number three and four slots. So I think DC is sitting pretty high on those sales charts. I also believe, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong because I remember looking at this weeks ago when the numbers came out, but I believe January was one of the first times in a while that DC actually overthrew Marvel and took over the market share-ish as far as the number of issues sold, not dollar count, I don't think yet, but as far as the units sold, I believe DC overthrew Marvel when it came to units sold. So that is something I guess DC is proud of. Looking over the Bat books, there's not a whole lot of changes between a lot of the books. We're kind of at a standstill with a lot of the books. They're not really changing. I mean, the biggest change that I noticed, Batwoman dropped a 10% drop from the last issue in December to this issue, um, but that only actually translated to about 1,700 issues. It's just it's a 10% drop because it is so far down on the issues that actually sell. Batgirl dropped 7%, and Batgirl and the Birds of Prey dropped 9% as well. So it is entirely possible, as we are going to talk about at least one of those three books in a minute here, that changes are going to be coming to a lot of books and some of those books could be getting new creative teams. As far as the greater DC stuff, Dark Knight's Metal only dropped about 2% from the previous issue with issue number 5. Doomsday Clock dropped a whole half of percent, which means that it's going to be pretty consistent, probably sitting around that 150k range per issue. It just sucks now that the issues are going to be coming out every other month at this point. So outside of that, Justice League and Justice League of America both staying pretty steady where they've been at for a while. Same thing with Suicide Squad. Teen Titans saw a significant drop, but that was partially due because Teen Titans the previous month was in the midst of the Super Sons of Tomorrow crossover. So it was involved in that. So that's probably why it had such a humongous drop from month to month. But outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot of differences. I mean, quite honestly, the vast majority of books had less than a thousand issues variation between December and January. So that's always a good thing. So that is sales numbers. Our Batman books, though. That's true. That is Batman, true. Batman, Batman, White Knight, Batman, The Signal, Dark Knight's Metal. That means 50% of the top 10 are all Batman books. That's staggering. If you count Doomsday Clock, there's six of them. So lots of stuff. And then Detective Comics added those two to the top 15. So out of the top 15 books for the month, 
you actually had a total of eight of the top 15 were DC slash Batman titles that we cover on the website. So pretty big numbers there. All right. So if you want detailed numbers and you would like to know which books are considered in danger, head over to the website for all the sales charts related to the overall market and the individual areas, including the Batman books, the Greater Gotham books, and the Greater DC books. Jessica puts in an analysis of all of those specific sections, so you can check those out over on the site. The numbers normally post from Comicron, which is the website we use to get the numbers for our analysis. They normally post up normally the second Monday of the month, and then our analysis is shortly thereafter. So be looking for that. Next up, if you were paying attention to any of the news that we had over on the website related to Toy Fair, you may have heard about a new black and white statue. I know this is not comic related, but I'm, I'm getting there, I promise. <laughs> there was a statue that was announced from DC Collectibles, part of their Batman black and white collection. There's a Joker and a Batman. Both are based off of a design done by Gerard Way, who many people may know as the man behind the Umbrella Academy, or maybe a lot of people know him behind My Chemical Romance, or a lot of people <laughs> might know him from Young Animal Line. He's pretty much all over the place. But the point is, he's done a lot of successful projects. Well, it turns out he actually had a unpublished Batman project that he was working on way, way, way back. I want to say it was like 2008 is when he first came up with the concept for this, and it was called Kingdom of the Mad. And Jessica put together an article basically talking about this project. It's very, very much a Elseworlds-type story. Batman is actually committed inside of Arkham Asylum. Finally! <laughs> has a map of Gotham City. It's scrolled into his cape, which actually consists of a massive drawing of a magical kingdom. And then Joker is also in there. There's concepts for a number of other characters as well, including Robin, Riddler, and Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze, interestingly enough, I thought this was kind of cool, his exoskeleton suit made of metal is actually made from the car that his wife died in. He took the metal from the car and made it into a suit of armor. I strongly suggest that if you are interested in just wild and crazy ideas, you check this out. It's pretty cool. But basically, it's a project that Way was creating back in 2008. Dan DiDio and Ian Sattler at the time were all on board for him to do this. Back in 2013, he gave an interview talking about it and said that his life took a different turn and he couldn't end up finishing the project. But the concept art that he had created for the series... They have turned into two statues for DC Collectibles. And I will say, out of all the stuff that we posted regarding stuff announced from Toy Fair right before Toy Fair, that was one of the ones that was getting a lot of interest. So if you are interested in seeing a, a project that may never even see the light of day, definitely head over to the site and check it out. This is the one for you. Yeah. All right, so then on February 20th, it was announced that Nightwing is going to be getting a new creative team. Benjamin Percy is going to be taking over. Benjamin Percy, who's coming over from Green Arrow, he recently left Green Arrow. He was still on Teen Titans as of the last issue that was solicited for Teen Titans. But he's coming over to Nightwing. Nightwing is going to be changing from every two weeks to a monthly title. This is going to start in May. Uh, this is actually the, the artist that's going to be joining him is Christopher Mooneyham, and it looks like his style of art has a hint of cyber, cyberpunk. 
the spe- specific synopsis says, in this arc, changes on the horizon when the nuke technologist sets his sights on Bloodhaven, creating a holographic interconnected city where everyone is an individual or part of a larger network. It's the internet made physical. Gentrification on a gigabyte laced steroids, but when this new utopia in encroaches on his turf nightwing starts to uncover a sinister plot based on not on revenge but on a reckoning um so this is going to kick off a new direction with the title i'm still going to have it's still going to have nightwing in bloodhaven so that's not changing um there was some talk about doing some different stuff that uh more tech technology stuff uh benjamin percy had said but uh this is actually as we know the second creator change in the last year um previously in december tim seeley came off the title and then sam humphreys came on and at the time they actually made a pretty big deal about sam humphreys coming over to the title uh but as we know april solicited the new the two issues that were coming out for nightwing in that month and he was not anywhere on those for whatever reason we didn't hear anything about it turns out him and Bernard Chang were only, I guess, attached for one arc, similar to the situation that we're seeing on Justice League. Christopher Priest only on for basically one arc as a stopgap situation until the new direction comes up in May or June for the in the case of Justice League. So, Nightwing, new creative team, that's what's coming. It needs it. I like. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So then, solicitations came out the next day on February 21st. There was a bunch of different stuff that happened, so I'm going to try to blow through some of this because there's a lot to talk about here. I'll break up some of the stuff. So some of the story elements that's happening in some of the book, Booster Gold's time-traveling antics continue to cause headaches for Batman and Catwoman's wedding plans (gasps) in the pages of Batman number 46 and number 47, the second and third parts of the storyline, The Traveler's. Over in the pages of Detective Comics, James Tynion IV wraps up his run on the series with issues number 980 through 981 in the finale of the Batman Eternal storyline, which sees Spoiler and Cassandra Kane discovering the key to protecting Gotham from a dark future and the rest of the team making one last stand against the common foe. Over in Batman Beyond number 20, we may see the Robin of the future in the form of Terry's brother, Matt, assuming that he survives his training. So then that's what we got as far as stories. As far as some of the other stuff that we've got coming, May also sees the advanced solicitation of the conclusion of the Dark Prince Charming, which will come out in the middle of June. We will also see the final issue of Batman White Knight. Then we'll see a, instead of Harley Quinn's main series coming out, there's a two-issue miniseries called Harley Quinn, Harley Loves Joker, which will release both issues of the miniseries in May while the monthly comic is completely absent from the solicitations, presumably because Harley Quinn's being rolled into whatever Scott Snyder's doing with Just Signal like no Justice. Releasing weekly during the month will be Just Signal like no Justice, which spins out of the pages of Dark Knight's Metal and features the powerhouse team of Scott Snyder, James the Fourth, and Joshua Williamson. This is probably why the Just League series, Just League of America, Titans, and Teen Titans, do not have any issues solicited for that month at all. Also, series coming to an end in May include Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, which will wrap up with issue number 22, answering the question, who is Oracle? Meanwhile, Super Sons ends with number 16 and the pint-sized heroes picking up the pieces of the Amazo Project. Also, the final arc begins in Bombshells United as DC announced the series will come to an end in the coming months. 
We already talked about the creative change over in Nightwing. And then finally, as we talked about last issue, DC Nation number zero, which will cost one quarter if you buy it in store or if you get it digitally, it's free. We'll tell the prelude to the wedding of Batman and Catwoman, which will be, and then also we'll talk about No Justice and have Brian Michael Bendis' stuff related to Superman as well. So if you want full details on DC Nation number zero, there is a article on the site dealing all about that. We actually talked about that last episode, so there's that. So let's talk about some of these series that are changing and uh, ending and things like that. So let's first talk about... Detective Comics, obviously we cover Detective Comics in depth every single episode, and we've been talking about how Tynion had said he wanted to get all the way to issue number 1000, clearly that's not happening, his last issue is going to be number 981, leaving 19 issues remaining, we don't obviously know at this point who the new creative team is going to be on Detective Comics, nor do we know whether or not Detective Comics will go monthly or stay twice per month, but the question is... Do you think that Tynan was removed from the book because of sales? I mean, sales aren't horrible by any means, but they're not nearly as good as Batman. I think that's part of the concern for them. But then again, it still was in the top 15, so it's not like it's doing bad in any way, shape, or form. So I guess my question to you guys is, should Tynan have come off the issue, or do you feel like it was time for him to move on, or do you think he was actually removed? I, I'm really not sure, to be honest with you. I mean, sales are okay, and Detectives never historically sold as much as Batman. You know what I mean? Like, there's some there, there's some arcs over the years that have outsold Batman. But look at the entire New Fifty Two. Yet you could say that's a Snyder thing. But even before that, Batman's always outsold Detective, which is kind of weird that you'd be a Batman fan and not bother a Detective. But besides the point, about thirty thousand people a month do that. By the way, read True. Batman and don't read Detective, which is. Kind of strange, but I don't know. Removed, the sales were okay. The storylines have been good. There's been a couple moments I, I wasn't in love with, but overall, he's been very, very good on the book. And I don't think, have we heard where he's going next? Has he got an assignment that we're aware of? Nothing that's been announced yet, but it, I'm just assuming at this point that it has something to do with whatever Scott Snyder is doing next. We know that Justice League is going to be taken over by Scott Snyder come June, and we know that... Justice League of America, Teen Titans, and Titans, Snyder has said on Twitter that those books will tie into whatever's happening in Justice League, so I'm guessing that he could be attached to one of those titles, but nothing's been announced at this point, although announcements are right around the corner because Snyder has been hinting that stuff is going to be announced very soon. Emerald City Comic Con was this past weekend, and nothing related to the main series or main DC Universe titles were, was announced. But then again, there's more conventions. WonderCon's right around the corner. C2E2 is right around the corner. There's a lot of stuff that's going to be coming up real soon here. And then obviously we've got solicitations coming up basically in two weeks. So it's not like there's not going to be some sort of announcement between now and then with whatever's happening. I guarantee you before this podcast comes out, we'll hear something about something. For me, it's it'd be hard to believe that, that he wanted to make it to a thousand and it would quit, especially if they stay doing bi monthly, what you know, 19 issues away. So, I'm assuming they removed him or whatever Snyder's cooking up, cooking up was too good to be true. But I don't see any reason why he would have got fired from the book. I can't think of anything. Sales are fine, stores are okay. I don't know. I think that there's just a massive creative shakeup happening right now because of. 
And honestly, I think the there's there's two distinct reasons for this. You got Dark Knight's metal ending, and they want that series to have an effect on the books going forward, and whether it's a direct effect or whether it just be, you know, changes amongst some of the teams and things like that. I believe that because that series is ending, they want some of the books, and it makes sense to actually have the team books, Titans, Teen Titans, Just League, Just League of America, get a shake-up because those titles... They're not selling horribly by any means, but they're not selling crazily well either. So by giving those books the ability to kind of all get tied to something that Snyder's doing, normally what Snyder works on does sell really well. So I'm guessing that if they can tie stuff together with what's going on with whatever Scott Snyder does with Justice League, then the idea is that they can have some new directions with some of this stuff. Now, the question that I'm left with, knowing that Tyne is coming off the book, and I'm sure he will be doing one of those other series, um, we don't know if Just League is going to still come out twice per month based off of the fact that the Superman titles are switching over to once a month in July when Brian Michael Bendis takes over those issues, or those series, I should say. But the other part of it is, it feels like, the only book that consistently does extremely well with having two issues per month is Batman. And I'm not saying that if their goal is to get everything back to being monthly, that they should leave Batman, but I don't see them changing Batman because if they can consistently sell 100K or very close to 100K issues per issue for Batman, I doubt they're going to slash Batman and say, you know what? We're just going to do one month and we're going to take 100,000 issues that we're already selling and just stop selling them. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But the same thing could be said about Detective Comics because it's on average selling between about 50,000 issues per issue. So the thing is, to make that go monthly wouldn't make a lot of sense because then you're taking 50,000 issues off the table there. I don't know how Action Comics was doing and Superman were doing in comparison to some of these other titles to know whether or not they specifically, if it was more of a creative reasoning as to why they went monthly or if it did have to do a lot with the sales. But there's a lot of other series like Suicide Squad. I still don't understand why that's still on. They've had so many issues with artists on the book where they've had so many issues. And that, that goes back from the very beginning when it launched. Jim Lee was originally on it, but he was on it for like an issue and a half. They've had issues with that book with getting artists, you know, I, I don't know. But if there was one team book I'd really like to see a, diff a change on, it would be specifically Suicide Squad. The other ones, I see what they're doing. I don't have any major issues with it. I mean, I, I know that the art situation is a big deal when it comes to these issues that are monthly or twice per month. But I really feel like uh, Suicide Squad has been one of the ones that has been suffering horribly. And that series is actually further down on the sales charts than most of the other series. I think the only series that's actually lower than Suicide Squad is Justice League of America. But it's not by a whole lot. We're talking like a difference of like 100 issues. So and this is going off of January's numbers. But my point is, do I believe that he got pulled off? No, I think what ended up happening was they offered him something like maybe Justice League of America or Teen Titans or Titans or something like that. I, although I can't honestly see him t taking Titans or Teen Titans. I could see him doing maybe Justice League of America because he'll be able to use maybe a little bit more characters. It feels like if he went from Detective Comics to Titans or Teen Titans, it would kind of be a step down. Although at this point, Justice League of America, 
as well as Just League is actually a step down. I mean, obviously Just League is going to be Snyder, so that's going to go up in sales. But it's interesting to see what's going to happen. I mean, the thing is, if he actually intended to go to issue 1000, I can't wait till he can actually talk about whether or not he wanted to keep going or if this was just a time where he thought, well, I could keep going, but I'd rather work on something different and they offered me something different. I'd love to hear that somewhere down the line. That being said, what I honestly believe is going to end up happening with Detective Comics is that Patrick Gleason and Peter Tomasi are going to be on Detective Comics. And I don't think it's actually going to go monthly. I think it's going to stay twice a month. And then you're going to see maybe longer arcs similar to the way that Titan has been doing it with more regular artists. But I feel like Peter Tomasi is probably going to be the writer who's going to be taking that over, especially since, well, one, he's been working on DC stuff forever, and he's no longer working on the Superman stuff, so he's got a giant opening, and Super Sons also ended, so he's got a massive opening in his schedule where he could probably do something like Detective Comics. And honestly, at this point, if it's, unless it's something out of left field, I can't see it being somebody else. Nobody in the world can have a problem with Tomasi. Like, that would be fantastic. Agreed. So some of these other ones, let's talk about Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. That's another one that was announced very abruptly. Now, some of these series, it was very interesting the way they announced that these things were changing. Titan has actually been absent from Twitter. He got off of Twitter as of New Year's. He gave up Twitter, and he's been just... On, I guess, Instagram. I don't really follow anybody on Instagram, so I don't know. But I remember him saying that he was going to be off of Twitter after the new year. He reappeared after this announcement that he was going to be heading off Detective Comics. And he basically said, yes, I am heading off, but I do have plans. I have other issues or I am going to be on another series. It's just not announced yet. And he said come May when his final issues of Detective Comics, he would probably do some interviews and things like that. That Now, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey was a little bit more abrupt because the series is just completely ending. Conveniently, the story arc just wraps up in a nice, I guess, perfect bow timing-wise for this to happen. And DC just randomly tweeted out a retweet from the Bensons basically thanking their fans and saying that they're leaving the title and that they're not leaving <laughs> DC Comics. They're going to be going to some other series. They plugged the fact that they're going to be doing Green Arrow annual in May, but they're going to be on some other title come June or July. Sometime in the summer, they're going to be on some other title. But there was like basically nothing back around the bird's praise done. So I'm sure Stella has something to say about this. So let's hear what you got. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, what disheartening news, quite honestly. And I understand that, you know, the numbers perhaps weren't weren't always there, but I feel like consistently, it was a pretty consistently good book. And so I'm sorry to hear that they are no longer going to be carrying on with it, but I'm glad to hear that they're on some sort of title, whatever that may be. The question really remains, though, can DC, should DC, exist, I guess, without uh, a Birds of Prey book, because I think it's one of those that carries a lot of weight with it, having this mostly all-female team. It depends on, on how the roster changes. And also, how does the universe go about without having Oracle? And understandably, Oracle is not as important as she was pre-Flashpoint, but we we're just getting her feet back in there, and so I was hoping that perhaps <laughs> something more would come of it. 
Whoo, man. I mean, the solicit says we're rounding back to the who is Oracle. So I don't know if maybe this is a bit of a feint and we're going to scrap the background, the Birds of Prey title, and we're just going to have a Birds of Prey title now. And maybe Barbara Gordon is Oracle full time and we have a roster change because something's up with Huntress, most likely involving her mother. And also in July, when we interviewed the Bensons, they were talking about, you know, maybe bringing Cassandra on the team. Like they had plans for that potentially or other other members. And obviously we're not seeing that right now. So I'm almost wondering if they're getting rid of this particular title, but coming back with another Birds of Prey, more general and less specific with Batgirl. Uh, Barbara Gordon takes a different role and we have a new roster coming on with it. I just wonder, again, you know, what is the role of Birds of Prey in the DC Universe? I think it's pretty important. I think avoid would absolutely be felt without having that particular book because we don't have many female-led DC comic titles. It's overwhelmingly male, so having that there. And it was one of the books with Batgirl that had its feet more in continuity because as we know, or maybe you guys don't know, but as as many people know who listen to my show, Hope Larson doesn't necessarily keep to continuity. There are sort of some questions and things don't really with other stuff that's happening, but the Benson sisters tried to, and you could certainly see that effort, keep within the the Batman continuity. So it's, yes, it's sad. I'm really hoping that it's just a feint, as I say, and, and it'll come back because I think there's an importance for having Birds of Prey. I mean, if you think about it, Birds of Prey has been in practically every era of DCU, you know, starting in the 90s. There's a reason why I kept rebooting and, and starting over again. So I'm really hopeful. But I guess Josh on Twitter said something about a Poison Ivy series. Like, maybe they'll come back and do that. I wasn't aware of a Poison Ivy series. But they need to do something because they're great writers and, and they, they bring their their fans first, I think, and then writers second. And they really bring that passion to whatever they're writing. And I think that's why a lot of readers hooked onto them because you can really tell when the person writing the character is, is in love with the character and loves them as much as possible as you do, so... Those are my thoughts. I'd rather have a Birds of Prey book than a suicide book at this point. Suicide Squad? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the Birds of Prey book is better. Yeah. So here's here's my quick take on this. So I believe that – I agree. I believe that the book is going to go away, potentially rebooted. I don't know that the Bensons are going to be the ones who come back on the series or if they're going to do something different. I definitely do agree with your statement, Stella, about the Bensons are fans first Mm -hmm. because they definitely, you can see in the stuff that they've written that it's like they're in a minefield and they're trying to basically make their way through all of this stuff that happened during the New 52, but try to get us back to the other side of normal continuity pre-Flashpoint and... It feels like they've they've been making steps towards trying to just basically reestablish things, but not mess with what already existed during the New 52 as well. And it felt like getting to a point where they could get back to that continuity that was pre-Flashpoint, but not negate all the stuff that happened during the New 52. And I think they're one of the few creative teams that did a really good job. I think James Tynan has actually done a really good job over in Detective Comics 2 doing something very similar you know, making the new 52 stuff there, but still making sure that we hearken back to the original continuity of these characters. 
I believe that Birds of Prey is going to come back, and I feel like Batgirl is going to undergo a major change, and I feel as if the character of Barbara Gordon is going to revert back to that Oracle status. I'm not saying she has to be in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that she has to never be able to go out on patrol, but I feel like her character should be basically that female-driven matriarchal character for not just the Batman universe, but the entire DC universe. Mm-hmm. If you've been listening to Stella's show over the years, you know that <laughs> she doesn't just have ties to the Batman universe. No. She also has a lot of ties to the DC universe as well. So the thing is, like, that that is really missing. There isn't really anybody out there, especially in that role of somebody like Oracle out mm-hmm. there for the DC universe. So I would love to see... Barbara go back to being Oracle. Batgirl and Birds of Prey just go to Birds of Prey and maybe, yes, have a little bit of a team change. I'm not saying that some of these characters don't belong on the team, but I think that the way that Green Arrow has been going for a while now, Black Canary has been a very main character. During the New 52, she wasn't a main character, but she has very much been a main character in the pages of Green Arrow since the beginning of Rebirth. And I believe that maybe Now's the time for Black Canary to maybe not be on the team for a while and maybe have a team that's a little bit different. Maybe still include Huntress because Huntress doesn't have anywhere else to go at this point. Maybe include somebody like Spoiler, Cassandra, even Harper Row to a degree. <gasps> I mean, yes! She doesn't necessarily have to be going out because we know she isn't Bluebird right now, mm-hmm. but have her involved in the team in some way, even if it's just like not in vigilante, you know, costume situations, but just dealing with the, the characters and the personal relationships of the characters outside of their costumes. So I think that that could be a really interesting way to go. You have Huntress's, I guess, more of the vet amongst the team outside of Batgirl herself, but Batgirl kind of takes these younger younger female characters under her wing Mm -hmm. and kind of trains them to be better and still can be completely not completely but distant from batman to the point where you know we're seeing a a situation where spoiler for example is it doesn't want to be with batman or around batman in the pages of detective comics having her go off with batgirl could be the time you know the the situation that could be needed for that character and the same thing goes for harper row and i don't know how you would get to the cassandra kane situation but that could that could happen very easily in the next couple months that being said that's what i'd like to happen i mean i've said before that i would have loved to seen tim drake have a team with spoiler and cassandra and harper Mm -hmm. because i think that would be interesting but i think that batgirl works perfectly when we talk about detective comics the issue that we're going to talk about here the way batgirl is written um, is very well done and treats her more of a equal and not just a sidekick or somebody with the bat symbol on her chest as shown in the actual pages of Batgirl. Not that she's a sidekick in the pages of Batgirl, but she just feels like she's lost right now. And I feel like she needs a definitive direction. And mm-hmm. I think the direction that the, the, the Bensons have been leaning towards in Birds of Prey is the direction that the character needs to go. You can still have her go on patrol occasionally, so that way you can still have merchandise for her because we know DC is all about that <laughs> merchandise. So sure. the thing is, if... You know, she's not she's not going to be re-paralyzed by any means, but just have her where she's more of like the leader of a team and she knows that her role is better suited 
back planning, strategizing, using the technology and things like that to her advantage and having the other people on the team go out and do the missions. I think that would make everything smoother, in my opinion. So It seems like it might be a back row Barbara Gordon shakeup overall because even in Hope Larson's book, there's something weird happening where Barbara Gordon, you know, for the third time is saying, I've grown up! Uh, you know, how many times can you turn over a new leaf? So I'll wait until it actually happens. But it seems like maybe something is happening overall with that character. And perhaps Hope Larson was told to do something along with the Bensons and they might come into order. So that might go towards what you're, it might be proof for what you are saying. Yeah. Well, do you think that maybe we're going to bring another person in to be Batgirl if she goes Oracle first time? Stephanie mm. or Cass? To actually take the mantle of Batgirl? Would you want to see them put Barbara on the shelf and become Oracle and she starts training up a new version of Batgirl with Cass or Steph? I don't think they need to do that right away. I mean, I think that ultimately, let's just establish the team, establish the new direction for Barbara. If they go the route of having somebody else in the role of Batgirl... I don't think they need to rush into it and do it right away. I mean, I'm not opposed to them doing that because I don't think it's it's not necessarily something that couldn't happen. But I don't think that it it needs to be something that happens right away. I mean, that's something that could happen down the line. Backroll Barbara Gordon could still go out on patrol in her uniform, still go out with the other you know amongst the the rest of the team. But eventually, maybe she just decides that she is better suited in you know, inside clock tower or whatever. And she's better suited as just the leader behind the scenes and puts the team out there by themselves. And then maybe they go the route of having another back row. At this point, I don't know that it's necessary to have somebody else take the role of back row at this point, but I'm not going to say I would be opposed to it happening down the line. I just don't think that they should go that route now. Yeah. And I, I mean, but there is a shakeup coming, I think in detective. I feel like after this dramatic trial of Batwoman and <laughs> that maybe Cassandra is going to feel like she doesn't belong on that particular team. But I, I fully endorse this idea of starting to create a legacy uh, of Birds of Prey, especially with the younger characters. It's certainly something that I've wanted to see before and it's something they've done before with Proxy, a.k.a. Wendy. Harris. Yes, thank you. I was going to say Harris, and I'm like, that's not right. So uh, it's it's open for, there's so many good possibilities here. You know, we just spent a long time debating it I or, and talking about it, and I hope that n- not nothing happens. That would be terrible. So I'm really hoping that something happens, and I think there are lots of good possibilities here. And the other thing to keep in mind is Batgirl did not, is not announced to be ending, but the storyline that they're currently working on does, the solicitation does read in May that the arc that they're currently doing is the finale. So June might come along and there might be a new creative team announced on the series as well. I mean, like it's, if the series doesn't end, they don't have to announce that there's a new creative team until right before solicitations come out and maybe the story Maybe Batgirl, the series, has a creative team attached for just a short arc or something like that, and then just is like the transition to what they do with Birds of Prey, and then Batgirl ends, but Birds of Prey starts, and maybe that's the route they're going, and that's why Batgirl's still happening, even though 
Birds of Prey is ending at this point. So I'm so there's a lot of different ways that this could happen. Anyway, so the other series that was announced that's going to be ending outside of Bombshells United because we don't really talk about that that much here. The other major series that we do talk about though is Super Sons, which is one of the few books that features Damien. This one features Damien and John Kent, a Superboy. I've enjoyed the series. I mean, it, I think it was a lot better in the beginning. I think some of the focus was missed out more recently. I think it's been trying to deal with some of the other events that are happening or spawning out of some of the other books like with the super sons of tomorrow it wasn't horrible but it felt like a weird situation to involve that future tim that just popped up in detective comics but overall the series i think has been good and it paints damien in a unique way because it contrasts him to john kent superboy who is basically the Clark Kent to Bruce Wayne's Batman. And it's a very interesting version, uh, a relationship between the two characters because it's just like a Batman-Superman book that focuses on their relationship in and out of the costume. And we don't see that very much nowadays because most of the time when you see those stories, they are in costume or they are fighting some sort of battle or they have some sort of mission or something like that so it's a shame that it's ending but again this was one of the other ones that it was weird because the actual solicitations were released and it didn't say it was the final issue then it was leaked that the previews magazine was actually going to announce that it was a final issue and then strangely the day after peter tomasi went on twitter and said yes it is in fact the final issue we do have plans for these characters after this but it is the final issue at this point and i feel like again this is another one of those series that's just it's the fallout between what's happening with brian michael bendis with the superman titles and the stuff that's happening with uh the just league titles not that this is a just league title by any means but i think this is more of an effect of what's happening with the superman titles and that's why this series is ending so it's unfortunate that it is. I'm interested to see what happens. If you asked me six years ago if I if I was pissed about uh, Damien Book being canceled, I probably would have said no. But I think that, again, Peter Tomasi has done a really great job making Damien a more likable character, but still a very smart aleck character who can get on your nerves. And I think that is a character that can be around. You know what I would love to see? Damien with Jason Todd. That would be a funny relationship. I think that if Tomasi takes over Detective, Damien might be coming along with him. That's true. Because this whole current cast of characters that Tanyan put together is his idea. I mean, if he leaves the book and Tomasi takes over, I very much doubt he's going to have the Azrael Batwing, Batwoman. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could see him... I could see a lot of things changing, honestly. I could see Azrael and Batwing heading over and being part of the Batwoman series. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I feel like, I mean, especially the way everything's going to Detective Comics, it feels as if they're going in a new direction where Batwing and Azrael are going to side with Kate in this entire situation. And there's absolutely no reason they can't be supporting characters for Kate. I really need the Batwoman series to get on board with everything else that's going on because it feels like the Batwoman story that's being told in Detective Comics is much more compelling and interesting than what's actually being told in her own series. And not that what's happening in her own series isn't okay, but quite honestly, I feel like we've spent so much time dealing with such little amount of character in the present 
that I really want there to be some sort of new direction for that series. So if to have Batwing and Azrael end up in, in that, along with Julia Pennyworth, who has barely showed up in the series, even though she was supposed to be one of the main characters, or main supporting characters in the series when it launched, she's barely been in the series at all. You know, you could create a new little team within that, but still have it Batwoman's title, still have it focus on Batwoman. But then meanwhile, over in Detective Comics, you keep somebody like Tim Drake, add Damien to the mix... You could have Cassandra. I mean, it just depends on what they end up doing with Birds of Prey. But you could have a more focused story where maybe it's just Damien, Tim, Batman, and I don't know, maybe throw one other person in the mix. And that's the the team, and it's just a small, more focused team for the time being where it doesn't need to be a massive team like the Gotham Knights were. So, I mean, there's... Tons of different directions that they could go, and a lot of it hinges on who goes where and what they're going to do. I mean, obviously, Detective could turn from a team-type book to going back to the days of just a Detective-type stories or just singular Batman stories, which I would honestly... I honestly don't want to see. I mean, I like Detective stories and all of that, but I feel like... Tynan has done such a good job of showing that you can use all these different characters within the Bat family in the series that there's absolutely no reason you shouldn't use these characters to your advantage. There's no reason that you can't change up the characters as Tynan has shown that you can focus on different characters and things like that. But I think it would be a real, real, real waste of page just to tell yet another just Batman story as Batman is a singular character. I would just like... And just kind of, this is not me skipping ahead to Detective. I would like to see the group we saw in Detective star in Detective, which is the proper Bat family. Nightwing, Damien, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, you know what I'm saying? Throw Stephanie in there. As I mean, I would just like to see him do like the classic Bat family. Barbara, you know what I mean? I'd like to see stories with them for like a year or so. I could totally do a year of that. Well, I would, I would love to see that. But the, the the one way I would love to see that happen is if you focused on those other characters being wherever they are. So if Barbara, like honestly, I feel like Barbara probably just needs to leave Burnside. It's just my opinion. I think that that has run its course. So she comes back to just main Gotham City. She can be more involved in things and things like that. But I feel like with Nightwing in Bloodhaven, you keep Nightwing in Bloodhaven and he only comes in town when they basically they need backup or when they need, you know, more bodies. Let's have Batman and Red Hood go to Bloodhaven first. Yeah, because the other part of it is, like, Red Hood, Red Hood and the Outlaws, not that, like, we've said multiple times that it's much better than it was, but the Bizarro stuff that they've been doing has taken way longer than it probably should have. So there's definitely a new direction that they could do with Red Hood. Involving him with the main Bat family would be something very different, because we have yet to see him actually involved in the main Bat family full-time for a long period of time, other than just like a story arc or something. Having Damien interact with Jason and Tim and, and, and having that kind of interaction, one, Peter Tomasi would be the perfect person to do that, but two, I feel like there's just like, there's certain characters that I feel like they could do so much more with by including them in the Bat family than having them on the outskirts of the, the family, like Red Hood, Batgirl, 
things like that. All right, so that is all the solicitations. If you want the full list of everything that's coming out in May, which there's a lot less than normal, but there is a bunch of stuff coming out, check out the list over on the website for full details for that. The last bit of news we have comes on February 26th. There was some more details, including the planned release dates for some of the upcoming DC and DC Zoom titles. I'm just going to roll through the titles and the actual month and year release dates that they're coming. If you want the full details on what is actually planned to happen in each one of these, I strongly suggest you head over to the website. We spent a lot of time talking about solicitations, and I do want to get to listener Q&As. So uh, we got DC Superhero Girl Search for Atlantis, which is coming in October 2018. Super Sons is coming April 2019. Black Canary Ignite is coming May 2019. Dear Justice League, May 2019. Batman Tales Once Upon a Time, July 2019. Batman Overdrive, August 2019. Harley Quinn Breaking Glass, which we're moving into the DC Zoom titles. Uh, that's coming in September 2018. Under the Moon, A Catwoman Tale, February 2019. Gotham High, August 2019. Batman Nightwalker, November 2019. And then Teen Titans Raven, which the reason we're including this in the list is because the actual release details said that this was going to be the first of a series of six titles. Each title is going to focus on an individual member of the team of the Teen Titans, and then the last book will have the team coming together. We have not had any information about whether or not Robin will be amongst the team, but we are assuming he will be, regardless of which one. We did reach out to the author, and she declined to tell us which characters she was actually going to be focusing on but it is what it is but anyway so also if you're interested in knowing what some of these i know when stella and i were talking about this the last episode we were talking about some of the writers that are attached to these series what they have previously worked on and still had mentioned it'd be great if they were attached to previously successful young adult series and i said yes that was the case but i was unaware of which ones they were the stuff that we posted up on the site actually says the artist's name and what they are best known for and when i was listening off my wife reads some young adult stuff not a ton but she i ran through the list of the stuff that some of these people have been attached to and she actually knew some of them, and she is not a young adult. So I'm guessing if somebody who reads young adult stuff, uh, who's an adult, um, knows at least some of this stuff, it is coming from some people who are pretty popular in that area of writing. So head over to the site, check out the list. There's tons of details. Also, what you can expect from each each individual series as well. So definitely check that out. With that, that is all of our news. We're going to dive straight into our comic book reviews, and the first one we've got is Batman. Oh, Batman number 41, Everyone Loves Ivy Part 1, or as I like to call it, Bruce Wayne hitting Alfred in the face! That's what I, that's what I call it. Script Tom King, art and cover Mikhail Janine, color june chung who boy okay so batman eh, he awakes from an odd dream and he comes running down and sort of uh trying to think of like the best word but clearly he's not feeling well and he punches alfred to get him to get out of his way and it seems like that was a little hasty alfred wasn't doing anything but he is actually running down to the bat cave in order to get an antidote Meanwhile, as all this is happening, there's a voiceover in green 
boxes. And we can only assume that it's Poison Ivy because there is a page of her, Poison Ivy. And she's basically, uh, she's taken over the world, as it were. Selena wakes up and goes down to the cave. And she's acting a little sexually aggressive, if you will. Even more so than normal. And <laughs> she she's about to go in for the kill. And Bruce gives her a dose of the antidote. So now they're all antidoted up, and we see a splash page, I suppose like two splash pages of all sorts of people, both famous, non-famous, superhero, oh, I just realized that Donald J, the back of his head is on there, superhero (laughs) or villain, they're all saying that they love Ivy because, of course, she loves them. So suddenly, Batman and Selina wake up in their costumes, which is something that always creeps me out, quite honestly. And Alfred is there at the bottom of their bed, and he is talking in a possessed mode. He's possessed by Ivy, or at least channeling her. Batman's about to punch Alfred again, but Flash runs just in the nick of time and is able to... (laughs) prevent the punch from connecting but flash gets punched again so even though that they've been given an antidote it's only going to work for so long and ivy has everything she needs really she's got every person holding a gun every army waiting for orders every man with a missile every one with a bomb so she is absolutely in control of everything She controls them as she controls the green, as she says. So she doesn't want anything, even though, you know, everyone probably wants something. But she has everything that she absolutely wants, so it's really hard to answer that question, I suppose. Batman says that she doesn't have him, and Catwoman says (laughs) that she'll never have her. And she retorts that now that she has Alfred and Cyborg, she's got all sorts of knowledge, which is perhaps the best power that you can have. And she appreciated the lengths that he went to get that particular antidote because he had some rare, rare things in there. And she says that she's going to make the world better. And for once, we have a Batman who doesn't know what to do, which, you know, doesn't happen very often. So basically, Catwoman and Batman, I mean, this is, I guess, their ultimate team up here because it's literally them against the world. And that is Everyone Loves Ivy. (laughs) Okay, the most important question, of course, is how do you feel when Bruce hit Alfred? The question is, why does he keep hitting Alfred? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the reason he's hitting Alfred, well, okay, I, I can't say I thought of this. This was something that was brought up on Twitter, and I thought it was, it's probably worth noting. Somebody asked Tom King, why does Bruce keep hitting Alfred? And he says, well, remember, Bruce is a, a detective first and foremost. So when he hits Alfred, what is he what is he learning from hitting Alfred? That he's old. Quit hitting old people, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure that's part of it, but I mean I think there's some sort of like difference between the two hits, although I couldn't tell I couldn't figure it out in the actual pages. But I mean, what do I feel about it? I mean, I feel like 
he he knows that there's something not right, so there's a reason he's doing it. I don't think. I mean, honestly, if this all comes down to everybody was under the control and Bruce is actually hitting Alfred in the face, and Alfred wakes up with a massive headache because he got punched in the face too many times. Yeah, you know, I would expect Bruce to feel bad about it, but if it helped save the world, then I guess Alfred's not going to sit there and be like, why'd you keep hitting me in the face? So. I think that the amount of violence in the past year that has been perpetrated on poor Alfred is out of control. I mean, ever since the New 52, he's become everyone's punching bag. And I think that we should stop having scenes where Bruce either beats Alfred, emotionally tortures Alfred, or ends up, you know, getting one of his limbs chopped off. Hmm. So if we could just maybe leave the old man alone for a year without somebody giving him a beating... That'd be okay with me. Yes, I was uh, caught off guard the first time. Uh, the second time <laughs> made more sense. But the first time, it doesn't seem like anything's amiss. Even the typeface, of course, because it's not green. But, you know, <laughs> inquiring where his clothes are, all of these things, and just bam! But I guess he assumes that Ivy is has already sort of penetrated every area of the human race. So, of course, Alfred is there. But I, I thought that was interesting. It almost reminded me of... Scott Snyder, because we all remember there's sort of this conspiracy theory on the Batman universe that Scott hated um, Alfred. Alfred. And so I thought to myself, this is absolutely the thing that he would love to have done, if that's true, if that's true they did that. We have enough evidence at this point that he dislikes him at some level. Mm, that's true. That's true. I want to ask also something something that I've started for my own show that I might start to incorporate over here is whether you had a favorite art page or panel in this particular issue. Ed, you want to go first? I've caught you off guard. <laughs> yes, she did. Two two things. I, uh-huh. I really like the Ivy cover to this issue. Yep. Um, the standard cover, not the the variant one. The only bad part about it was like there was no like reveal of. Not, we knew anyway, but sure. there was no like I wonder if poison ivy's in this issue. Yeah. You know, I wonder why there's green lettering. And I did like the art that was done down in the Batcave with when Selena was uh, <laughs> being aggressive with him. Sure. Yeah. That was well drawn, hiding her face in some of the shadows so you couldn't see what her true you know thoughts were. Was um, mm-hmm. I thought that that whole sequence in the Batcave was well drawn. Well, if I had to pick something, there'd be a couple. One, I really appreciate the fact of... I I like the the simple dress that Ivy is wearing in the park. It's also at the beginning of the issue. I think that dress is... It's very different on what they normally portray her in, whether it be the scantily clad bikini uh, made of leaves or whether it be the skin-tight suit that she's worn of leaves. I think it's... like I think it's just... It's a nice normal costume that doesn't have to be crazy super revealing i mean it still has the pattern of leaves but but it's not actually leaves so i think that's cool the other one is the page that has like all of the different scenes from people all around the world that say i love you too with the vines basically like you know like coming out all over the place i think that that's a cool way to break up a page with the panels Obviously, the page where she is basically making this massive fortress of of vines and things like that, when she simply goes from standing on the bench to the next page where it's all surrounding her and then she's got her throne, that's pretty cool looking too because there's a lot of really cool details there. So there would probably be basically anything that has to do with Ivy in general, but 
I think that's, I mean, obviously that's, that is the focus of this arc. So that would make sense. So. Mm-hmm. Mikhail Janin, I, I, I really like his art. I think perhaps we don't comment on it enough. That's really my fault since I'm leading these discussions. And uh, I think he really makes beautiful women. And I guess I've not really commented on Catwoman, but I think always, you know, Catwoman is, is pretty attractive. But his Ivy is like drop dead gorgeous. I mean, I'm looking at page 11, which is just like the full page of just her face with the leaves around and, and her hair everywhere, basically. Um, <laughs> and, and it's just, it's really beautiful. It is a really beautiful portrait of Poison Ivy. So I think that's really one of my uh, favorite. I also also agree that I like that simple little dress. She looks so innocent, <laughs> despite the chaos that she's actually going through. And I think, you know, towards the end, when you get to that splash, I guess it'd be 17 and 18 of, of all the greenery and her sort of in the in the center on a throne of her own making. I think there's some just some wonderful stuff that's being done. So final question, and most this actually is probably the most important question, but I think perhaps when this was coming out, before maybe the solicitations, I don't know what it was, people were a little up in arms about Ivy and sort of her character being changed. And one could see that, especially when, you know, you go over to Batgirl, I think it was 19, where Barbara Gordon brings Ivy a nice little sandwich and she reflects on rehabilitating her and she helped ivy helped out in trinity i remember she helped out the you know superman batman and wonder woman and here we have her taking over i think she says 7.6 billion people we don't know what she's going to do but basically she threatens violence so what do you think about do you have a dog in the race about what type of character ivy is do you do you agree with the people that were pretty upset with it do you i mean what are your thoughts on this particular characterization of Ivy and are you okay with it even given how she's been characterized leading up to this? So I think overall, here, here's the thing. Poison Ivy originally when she was created was a straight villain. That's mm-hmm. how she was written. I think that in the 90s we had a lot of characters that basically they were adjusted and you see a lot of characters that are suddenly become more anti-heroes or in the case of Ivy, she's become more of like an eco-terrorist. But even so, an eco-terrorist is not necessarily always a bad thing. She's she's standing up for something. She's trying to protect something. It just doesn't always fall in line with the way the world is. So it, she becomes more of like, she has a reason to do what she's doing. Not to say that some other characters don't, but when you compare it to somebody like Scarecrow who just wants to make everybody scared, or you do somebody like the Joker where it's just, his entire thing is creating chaos and and anarchy to a degree. I mean, there's a difference there. So there's there's like these levels of how bad a villain actually is starting in the 90s with the way they're writing characters. I think that has changed a lot. So I think prior to Flashpoint, you had Gotham City Sirens where you see Catwoman who has clearly been written for a long period of time, including her own solo series, well, two solo series, that is, that she is very much an anti-hero 
walking that gray line. She will do good, but she can do bad. She won't cross certain lines, but she has no problem crossing other lines, things like that. You have that character. You have Harley Quinn, who has distanced herself from Joker. And even so, when you can look at the character now, I mean, in her own series now, she's more of a, she's always doing some some sort of heroic thing, but she has no problem crossing certain lines. That character, along with Catwoman, along with Poison Ivy in Gotham City Sirens, was portrayed in that very, we are anti-heroes, but we're not afraid to cross certain lines. And I think a lot of people who look at that characterization of Ivy see that that's the way she's supposed to be. So I think when originally the solicitation came out for this series, or for this issue, I think a lot of people were like, oh crap, she's going back to her straight villainous ways. This is exactly what nobody wants to see. We're all going to get up in arms because of that. And the thing is, I don't know how many times this happens with stuff that Tom King does, whether it be the engagement, whether it be the stuff with Talia, now the stuff with Poison Ivy. It feels like the solicitations are basically written to cause some sort of chaos slash people get a bunch of people up in arms and then guess what? The issue still sells crazy well, and then everybody comes out of it happy. Most of the time. It doesn't happen all the time, but most of the time, a lot of people come out of the issue going, you know what, maybe I should have just waited instead of taking a small paragraph to describe something that's coming out three months from now. And I think the thing is that I don't think that this is taking the route of she's straight villain. I think that there's definitely some sort of direction that tom king is going with this where i don't know exactly i don't know what it is yet but i definitely feel as if he's not going the route of just making her a straight villain he's hinting at this idea that she has the capabilities of doing something but is she actually going to do it and i think that's what's what's what, what it is i just don't know how it's all going to tie into whatever tom king's trying to tell us about selena and bruce's relationship this month because it seems like every month he's trying to tell us something different about the relationship so do i have an issue with the way she's portrayed here no because like i said when the solicitation came out this is a wait and see game i mean with tom king you can't just read one issue or you can't just read a solicitation and say oh god he's gonna screw it up because i mean we were literally doing this a month ago with wonder woman i was saying the exact same thing and I was saying the exact same thing about, well, let's just wait and see what happens in the next issue because we don't know that they're actually going to kiss, that Bruce is going to be cheating on Catwoman. We're just jumping to conclusions, which is what Tom King has been doing for months. All he does is lead us to believe one thing is going to happen and then something else completely different happens. So I think at this point, wait and see. But the way it's being portrayed, I don't have a major issue with it at this point. I don't have a major issue with betrayal, but what I do have a bit of an issue, let me get my soapbox out so I can jump up on top of it real fast. Oh, thank you. Is just give me some consistency. Like, Poison Ivy can't go from being villain to hero to villain to hero to villain to hero to villain to hero. You know, just like pick one. I don't particularly care what it is. I mean, Ivy's a cool character. I like Ivy, but I'm not like Mm -hmm. emotionally attached to her. If they want to make her a villain, make her a villain. If they want to make a hero, make her a hero. And leave her that way for like, I don't know, a week or two? Like, No, I think what you mean to say is a couple of years or two. Mm-hmm. Because the problem is she has written one specific way for a short amount of time or for a specific arc. But yes, it does change very frequently. This doesn't seem like... we. I mean, think about it. We have all-star Batman Ivy, right? 
We have this version of Ivy. Um, we had Ivy who joined Birds of Prey in New 52, only mm-hmm. later to be revealed as a hero pretending to be a villain, but then was quickly rewrote in the Batman stuff as actually this nice girl who made gardens for people in the poor areas of the, like, just pick one. They do this with Harley Quinn, too. Yep, they do. Like, d- 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 we don't forget that there was a Harley Quinn Villains Month special mm-hmm. where she killed, like, 150 kids. Remember? Like, she gave them all video game consoles and then blew them them up and then within a year she is like our friendly anti-hero so i don't even particularly care it's not like catwoman who i think is catwoman's never been a kill character she's never been running around committing homicide you know except that one time that tom king hinted that she did and everyone was like oh my god tom king you're so horrible but she didn't and i don't know what tom king's gonna do with this so i'm not even gonna judge it on this one i'm just saying in the writer's room at DC, like if we're going to make Ivy a villain or Harley Quinn a villain or a hero, because now apparently Harley Quinn's going to be in the Justice League. Like, <laughs> Well, Huntress was in the Justice League, so can't yeah, really judge. Just... Oh, yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I beg to differ. I just wish they and only have them change allegiances to the light or the dark side, however you want to look at it, when something like happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, make it a big deal. Like, if you told me, like, if, if Ivy had been a villain for five years or whatever, and something happened, she witnessed something, and she had this life-changing event, and she decided to change her life, I can get down with that as part of the story. But just, like, every time I see her or Harley or you got to go, ooh, is this the good one or the bad one? I just wish we kind of stopped that. Yeah. Consistency is what's in Please. Yes. What was that story where Ivy had control of Clayface for a while? Oh, uh, Detective. I don't remember what the name of the Detective story comics. was. It was a was while it back. Detective? That's interesting. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I guess that was New 52 as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you about consistency. I think another one of the things that people were talking about is she was never an out-and-out murderer. Recently. Not- Recent, yeah. And and I don't know. We don't really know what her plans are yet. Uh, it just seems like she's got a Rachel Ghoul sort of uh, complex going on right now where she can control everyone and she's trying to make the world a better place. I don't think she's going to have them commit mass suicide. But, you know, we can only see. I, I You know, I, I guess I'll listen to Dustin for once in my life and wait and see, do a wait and see situation. But uh, I, I do really like Ivy. As I've uh, said before on this show, I've come to potentially think that Ivy might be my favorite rogue in Batman's gallery and uh, she intrigues me and it's not I mean she could be a villain she could be an anti-hero it's more of sort of her journey and and seeing what she gets up to and things like that but it would be nice to have the same Ivy doing the same sorts of things or like a same line of consistency for a good while rather than it be different things in different books. That's what we never like to see. I mean, that just gets down to continuity. So, yeah, I mean, we don't really know right now what she's about to do, but I do, uh, I don't know. I mean, she was just good recently. So this is why it bothers me because, you know, you go over to Trinity or even more recently to Batgirl and she's, she's on the up and up for the most part. I don't expect her to be like completely goody two shoes like Barbara Gordon. I think there are, there will always be moments where someone will have to call her back from the ledge and you know don't cross that line. But I think that's that's who Ivy should be. I think she's got her own agenda, but she can help people out. But she's not going to completely destroy. It. And maybe this is her own agenda. She said the green is a big thing for her. So depending on what her motivation is, it could it could make sense 
how she's acting. So, so I guess all of us really just agree in consistency and wait and see. And those are the only things I have to ask for this issue. All right. So, Batman, I'm going to give a total of 3.5 out of 5. 3 out of 5? It's fine. <laughs> I'll say a 3.5 out of 5 as well. And over on the website, Corbin gave it 3 out of 5. So, it's going to give Batman number 41 a total of 3 out of 5 batterings. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. <laughs> Detective Comics number 975, written by James Tynion IV, art by Alvaro Martinez. Many years ago, at the funeral of Gabby and Beth Kane, young Bruce Wayne comforts his cousin Kate. He tells her that it never stops hurting, recalling the scene where a young Kate tried to comfort him at his own mother and father's funeral. Bruce tells her of a dream he has, of killing the man who killed Thomas and Martha. And then Kate states, with a dark fury in her eyes, that they should find and kill all the people who hurt them. Now, Kate lies alone in bed, sleepless, thinking of Cass's face as she held the dying Clayface. She receives a call reminding her of a date. Nightwing drops in on Batgirl in Burnside's clock tower, her personal base. Babs is studying the events of the past week, culminating in Clayface's death, while Dick says he plans to follow his heart. With an eye roll, Babs gives Nightwing a ride to Wayne Manor. Cassandra Cain looks out of Damian Wayne's window, prompting the current Robin to snobbily order her from his space. In response, she tosses him to the ground, and an amused Tim Drake helps his fellow Robin up. Alfred collects Cass, telling telling her of his plans to make cookies and watch the ballet as the rest of the boys head down to the Batcave. Dick throws an arm over Tim's shoulder and invites him to Bloodhaven, while Babs gives him the big sister, I'm worried about you because you just returned from the dead talk. Jason is already there, surprising the rest of the family, considering the question of Kate killing hits fairly close to Jason's philosophical and practical home. However, Bruce says he wants to hear from everyone, and they all gather around a table to begin the trial. Meanwhile, Kate is taking on a submachine gun-wielding gang of sentient apes, while Luke Fox, Batwing, asks her what she intends to do about her father's offer to lead the colony. She says she's considering it, and Luke says he and Azrael are with her, though he warns caution. In the cave, Tim starts the conversation. He gives a brief history of his time as Robin and Red Robin, and makes the case that Batwoman's choice was cynical, not idealistic, and goes against what Batman and his allies stand for, hope and justice, not vengeance and punishment. Dick follows, saying he believes the best of everyone in the situation and grieves at the outcome. His own position is that Kate can come back, but she has to earn it. Damien only offers his arrogant opinion that none of them should be part of the family. Jason then gives his opinion that Batman's anger stems from a bruised ego rather than principle and votes that she stays. Lastly, Barbara makes her case that the Belfry was Batman's way to try to convince Kate to stay on his side instead of the colonies. She accuses Batman of allowing Tim to set up the Gotham Knights when he knew it was an unstable situation that could not last. Tim tries to insist that it could work, but Babs says, based on her research and conversations with Spoiler, the team hasn't helped its members as much as it should have. She brings up Cassandra's isolation and ends by saying that that Batman fears that Kate is right and he is wrong, that only Kate Kane can make the decision of whether she remains a bat or not. In the cemetery, Kate is visiting her mother 
on the anniversary of her death. She pours out her heart about the regret over hurting Cassandra when all she wanted to do was save lives, particularly Cassandra's own life. Her father arrives and Kate tells him that she's all in. The colony helicarrier and helicopters uncloak above them as Jake says, then let's get started. Okay, so after a rough issue in the last episode, we have this issue, which basically incorporates a lot of members of the Bat family, which haven't appeared very much. One I want to specifically single out is Batgirl. (gasps) Batgirl here seems to be the voice of reasoning, and this is what I was referring to earlier when I was talking about how she stands up to Batman and comes across as more of an equal and less of a psychic. Not that she is a psychic, I want to make that clear, but that she is just, she has her opinion is just as important as Batman's as anybody else's. Um, I like the way this is portrayed. I mean, obviously, Damien comes across as a little immature, but that's Damien. I mean, he is immature. But the the things that she says, the fact that she says, you know, my analysis of the situation, my understanding of everything that's gone based off my own research, this is what I've come to terms with, and this is what I believe. This is the way that Batgirl should be written and puts her more on the track of being the more, and I and I, I say this lightly because I don't like what this implies, and I'll get to that in a second. It, it shows that she's more of like the mother of the group. Batwoman, yes, is an older female in the group, and I when I say it, I don't want to say this lightly, I don't like the idea of what saying she's she takes the motherly role implies that she is an older female because i don't know i had this conversation on twitter with a a bunch of different people i think batgirl here is written as a straight adult not a teenager with teenager problems as we've seen in in the batgirl of burnside run the hope larson run this is not batgirl who has teenage issues who's dating a new guy every six issues this is batgirl who is an analytical genius. And that's the thing. Like she is very smart. She's always been a very smart and intelligent character, but this is showing that she is, she uses her research. She uses her analysis to come up with very, very deductive reasoning. And that's what I think is important for her character. She's not an angsty teenager who has teenager issues, who has boy issues, like you, that's not to say she can't have relationships and things like that. But the way she's written here is probably the best way this character has been written in a long time, in my opinion. That being said, I like the fact that everyone is looking at her and saying, like Tim argues with her because I think Tim intelligently is very on the same level as Batgirl, in my opinion. I think that they are both very, very smart characters, and he, you know, he's going to have a massive debate with her because he believes what he was doing was right, while everyone else just listens and really, truly believes what she's saying is is very important. And I think that that is a very important thing. So I guess the the question I and I know this is not really a question. It's just me talking about how I enjoyed how Backer was written. This is what I would love to see, and we this, this also led to a discussion on Twitter about how we'd love to see James Tynion write Batgirl. And honestly, I just don't see that happening. Not that Tynion, I don't know that he would not want to write Batgirl by any means, but it feels like Batgirl. No offense to this Batgirl series or the character. 
it's not on the same level as what he's currently working on. I mean, Detective Comics sells more than twice as many copies as what Batgirl sells right now. And he's going to be on this massive event with no justice and doing whatever's there. So it's not going to have, he's not going to be writing Batgirl anytime soon. That being said, how do you feel this version of Batgirl is portrayed compared to what we've seen over the past, let's say, three years? This, to me, is Tynion riding Batgirl from pre-New 52. This is more like Oracle than Batgirl. Exactly. Like pre-New 52, or you know what I'm saying? Smart, concise, knows what's going on. This is gonna. I don't dislike this. It's just not in character with what we currently have, kind of going back to the consistency argument we just had, right? I prefer this type of Batgirl, but it's not currently the Batgirl we have. So I think that's partially true. I think when you look at the Batgirl series, yes, this is not in line at all with what we see in Batgirl series. But I think this is in line with what the Bensons have been trying to get to in Birds of Prey. I, I think it's they've been really trying to get to this character, but they just haven't gotten there yet. Maybe by May they will have gotten to this point. But yeah, I definitely I definitely agree. The consistency between what we haven't shown in like the Burnside Batgirl and Hope Larson's Batgirl and even in the beginning of the Birds of Prey run is not this Batgirl. Number one, I don't want James Tiny in the fourth to write a Batgirl title. No offense to him, but we need to get out of the trend of male writers writing female characters. We need to have more consistency and more female creators in general, but also more authenticity of f- female writers writing female characters so i don't want that to happen also just because he writes one good representation please do not forget her representation in it was one of the eternals not sure which one it was the one with jason bard so was that batman and robin eternal it was batman eternal that was where jason bard okay when jason todd has to call you off of that ledge basically you know that something's gone wrong so no i haven't forgotten that but 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 in Mm. his defense Mm. i will say this that was very in line with what, what was happening with the character in the main Batgirl series at the time. Okay. Secondly, I don't like the term mother figure for her. I don't think that's how she was acting at all. I think if you look back with Oracle and how she was portrayed, especially with the younger heroes like Tim, especially Cassandra, that's what a mother figure is. I think you have this uh, nurturing quality. You're a mentor. This is not what she's doing here right now. This is tough love. Biblically, I would call it uh, she is a Nathan to David. Nathan was basically the 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 prophet or the the guy who told david guess what david you made a mistake and uh god's coming after you so that's absolutely what she's doing she is holding them accountable for what has happened i love this though because you know i made a joke on my own show because somebody asked ian asked me what i thought about this so i read it in advance so i could talk about it you know in the silver age she would have been slapped and then told to shut up but here we have a, such a progression for her where she, I mean, hello, did it slip anyone's notice that she's the only female at that table? Which is really, I mean, Cass isn't there for whatever reason. But, you know, she can stand up to them. She cuts through the BS and tells them how it really is. And she knows Batman so much, perhaps better than himself, or at least better than he is willing to admit, that she can cut through everything and basically say this is the real reason why you had this. It's interesting also that there's a vulnerability to her or perhaps 
I don't know. I, I think you get a sense of who Barbara Gordon truly is and how she relates herself and her identity to her cowl because she's the only one to take off her mask. Everyone else has their mask on, with the exception of Jason when he removes his mask and puts it down on the table. So she's not talking as Batgirl. She's talking as Barbara Gordon. Absolutely, she's written well beyond her years. <laughs> it's very much a, an older Barbara Gordon And it's someone that commands respect, and she's grown so much. The problem is, of course, the consistency, because she's not really there, you know, in in other books, unfortunately. You know, she's making those mistakes. Did I answer all those questions? Yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. So I've got two more things. The first one is we see a lot of characters, like I said, that we don't normally see. We see Nightwing. We see Damien, Batgirl's here, Jason's here. I mean, a lot of these characters who Batman is considering the inter-sanctum of the Bat family, um, because as Stella pointed out, Cassandra's not here, and there's obviously other characters like Stephanie, for example, or even Luke Fox and Azrael, who are not involved in this this trial, per se. Um, they're not involved, even though they're, they've been allies of Batman and things like that. So it clearly is just the inter-sanctum of the team, which is basically... Batman, anybody who previously was Robin, and then Batgirl. That's basically the inner sanctum at this point. Um, I think it's interesting to to specifically have these. I wanted to hear your guys' opinion, and if you thought the characterization of anybody here was out of place. Did you guys think that anybody, the way they were portrayed in the, their decision-making process, was outside of the way you would expect them to have voted? You mean outside of Barbara? <laughs> current barbara well i don't i don't disagree with barbara so i mean i guess i guess you could yes voted okay i was like let me make characterization overall it's funny because we just talked about damien and i thought he's he came off as his lack of a vote kind of just aggravated me well it's hard for some of them to even vote because i mean jason of all you know of all people and damien like they both have a kill count so it's hard you know for some of them, for me to even believe that they should be on this council. But sorry to interrupt you. No, I agree. And I thought it was an interesting argument they made with Jason, which was Jason was like, I got no problem with dropping bodies off all over the city. Right. You know, but but she didn't follow orders. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, listen, I love Jason as a character. He's probably my favorite Robin. But, like, huh? he does not notorious for following rules or obeying orders well they're just trying to portray the characters the way they're currently being done in rebirth though because jason has been portrayed as he was making it seem like he was killing people but then it was he was actually not killing them showing batman that he could take orders and then batman said okay i sanction your team to go do what you need to do just be aware that i'll be watching you and so like there, he, the way the character, like he's not killing people right now, so they're they're the way they're portraying it is yes, he has killed people, but this is, the, I mean, I get what he's, he's saying about he didn't follow orders, killing people exactly, right. Well, Damien's not currently killing people either, but he clearly has killed people too. I, well, which is funny because you have a council like Stella's talking about that. Why are these people getting to vote on it? Like Jason's killed people. Damien's killed people, like, and they're going to decide that because Kate killed Clayface. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't. I don't know. I just the whole thing seems honestly kind of contrived. Well, the thing is, I guess it's the way you look at it, because I think the, the thing is, you guys are looking at it from the perspective of 
why should these people be on it if they've killed people in the past? When the council that exists here is existing because they are basically members of the Bat family that Batman respects their opinions and has been with them long enough where he trusts their judgment regardless of what it may be. Obviously, people who have previously killed are going to not necessarily have a major issue with someone killing somebody. That's the I think that's the point that they're trying to make here. I think the thing is that that's why they're they're on the council is because Batman trusts their their, their judgment. That's why they're there. It has nothing to do with whether or not they have or have not killed people because if we went the route of including nobody who's killed anybody, and you're looking at the entire history of the character. There's not a whole lot of characters you could include on this team. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I just besides Tim, like Stella said, Cass isn't even here. Like the people that were actually involved in the events, the people that were act like I like seeing this group of people together. This is my favorite version of the Bat Family. Is this mm-hmm. core version? But like Cass, who was involved in the fight, who was there with Clayface when he died and was arguably his closest friend, Azrael, even who I dislike passionately, but Batwing, you know, like Stephanie, like the people that were involved in this group, he goes to, he doesn't even bring the actual, this would be like if Aquaman killed someone in the Justice League and they went to the Teen Titans and asked him to decide his fate. Like the team that was involved in the fight should be the ones talking about it, not like, okay, you kids go away and I'm bringing the A team now. I don't know. I just, I don't think this is the right group to be deciding his fate. I just don't. I agree with you, Ed. That was actually my greatest problem. Uh, frankly, I don't really like this whole thing where we're continuing with just, oh my gosh. I mean, Kate Kane on trial. What is this? But, you know, this is absolutely, when we start off with Batgirl, I was scratching my head thinking, why on earth is she there's no point in having her here but i'm glad that she at least points out she's almost like a reader poking her head through because it actually she talks about all of this um you know why are we here and then you know it's not a um what does it say it's not a bruce idea it's a tim idea that sort of thing but yeah i i agree with you i think people who had no idea now the devil's advocate is that perhaps bruce wants people that are sort of distanced from the event to give like a clear unbiased opinion on what's happening or what had gone down but then i i do wonder about tim and everything i think their decisions are pretty in line i guess with with what they have to say i mean nightwing ever the optimist i think has the best thing to say that you know she made a mistake but there's obviously a point open for them i think you can't close kate kane off i think the point that you know ed and i bringing up these killers is that it doesn't matter if they're not currently killing the fact is that they've killed in the past and so you know this could very well be even though she was in the military one of the the first things that kate had done that really was egregious and yes you could go for the she didn't follow orders but give me a break how many times did tim drake not follow batman's orders when batman told him to like not follow him or not you know a weird thing for me speaking of out of character is tim's little thing frankly tim is starting to get on my nerves in this detective comics i'm i know that people love tim but he's starting to get on my nerves he says that let's see here i think i come at a slightly from a slightly different place than the rest of you tragedy didn't really have a hand in making me put on the costume so i'm thinking to myself well i mean barbara gordon you know has both of her parents 
then Tom Panarese brought up the fact that, now I don't know if this is in continuity anymore, if we're still going with the Witsack, but Tim's mother was killed by the Obeah man, like, and that was sort of, um, and you know, paralyzed his father. So there was a, a hint, a sniff of some tragedy in his backstory. So I'm not really sure why he would bring that up, what that even has to do with, with anything. But he's starting to get on my nerves. So everyone's voting is fine. It's just the big question of why they're even there doing it. It's just contrived is absolutely the right word. Putting her on trial seems really overly dramatic. This is getting out of hand, and it needs to end. Maybe that's why... James tying this off this title because of this stuff that's happening. I'm so sorry. I'm actually a little upset with this right now. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, so as Stella said, the devil's advocate, I guess that makes me the devil here. Um, <laughs> here we wow. go. Can't wait. So yeah, I'm going to say this. Uh, it may be called the trial of Batwoman, but let's be honest here. They're not like saying she's going to, Go like they're gonna lock her up, or they're gonna turn her in, or she's gonna get the death penalty. Let's be honest here; they're just making a, a point of whether or not she should be included on the team. And let's not forget that up until this Gotham Knights storyline, she wasn't part of the team, and she wasn't really involved in anything going on in the Bat Family. So the whole idea is that they created this Gotham Knights team, and as Batgirl points out, he created this team with the hope that she could be involved with the the family, so that she wouldn't be doing her own thing that would go against what batman was deciding she had nothing to do with the bat family other than just the rare random popping up in somebody else's series prior to this so this was the way that she was brought in the question is does she belong on the team if she doesn't want to follow the main points that batman is trying to do i think you guys are looking at this from like a crazy perspective like this is a trial and she's straight guilty of this and we're gonna we're gonna hang her in the back room are you kidding it's called the trial of batwoman it's called the trial of batwoman because there's a council of people deciding her fate on whether Yes. On whether or not she stays on the team, it has nothing to do with whether or not she's going to get killed or not. We haven't brought are going that up at all. You're going way off, sir. You are putting words in our mouths. The punishment isn't doesn't affect it if it's a trial or not. If I go to trial what for a speeding punish- ticket, they're not going to kill me. You know, like. But what is the punishment exactly? This is the thing you guys are. I feel like you guys are getting hung up on is the fact that there's a punishment. She's either on the team or she's not on the team. Why wouldn't a group of people who are part of the team decide whether or not she remains part of the team or whether she has to go out on her own? I don't understand what the what, what the issue is here. Like the the question is whether or not she she belongs on the team. Whether or not that is defined as a punishment or not, I guess it depends on who you're asking because neither there's people on this uh, in this group of people who are basically saying, "Hey, this person does deserve a second chance." Like Nightwing says, she needs to earn it, but she deserves a second chance. You've got other people who are saying she just didn't listen to orders, so she doesn't belong on the team, like Tim Drake saying. You've got other people who are saying she might have killed somebody, but that's not necessarily the end all be all of the situation. It's more about whether or not she followed your orders, which she went against. So that doesn't mean she gets kicked off the team. I think that this is a perfect group of people. If you can sit, if you bring Cass into the situation, what is Cass going to do? She's going to say that she doesn't belong on the team because we already saw in the last issue, she ripped the bat off her chest and said, you don't belong on the team because you don't respect the bat. 
She did this in the last issue. Spoiler's not going to be on the team because Spoiler left the team. She's not going to be around making a judgment on whether or not she stays part of the team because she's not around. Meanwhile, Azrael and Luke already sided with with Batwoman, so there's no reason to involve any of those other characters on the uh, in this situation. Not that I believe that any of them belong in this situation of deciding the fate of whether or not she stays part of the Bat family or not. The reality of it is, in my personal opinion... This, this is a perfect group of characters to decide whether or not she belongs part of the Bat family or even is linked to the Bat family by having that bat on her chest. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. If she's going to walk around with the bat on her chest, she has to uphold a certain group of ideals that the rest of the Bat family agrees with. This group of people... Whether you agree that every single person on the team is like, you know, follows these to the T every single time they go out or not, they all have a specific group of ideals that they uphold to based off of something that Batman came up with. I'm pretty sure in this situation I sound like Tim Drake, but I'm just saying that I think that that is the whole reason behind this and that's why this is happening. To say that certain members of the Bat family are not being included and because this is the only group of characters that is, and that makes the trial not necessary. I don't agree with that. I think this is this is something. That, is it completely necessary for them to determine? No, because Batman could just say, "Well, I see it this way. This is how it's going to be." But that wouldn't. That, that, that I don't think that anybody's going to like that decision. So involving the characters that we don't necessarily see and aren't involved in the situation every single issue, series, month things like that, it makes perfect sense to me. I, I, I know I disagree. It's a disagreement with you guys, but that's just where I stand. I think the, there's a fatal flaw with your 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 talking is you keep saying team, but I see two different teams here. I see the core bat family that we have here, and then I have the detective comics team. Agreed. So she, which, a part of which is she a member? She's part of the Gotham Knights, which was the group that was amongst the... the... Then these are not the Gotham Knights. There are four people at this table who are not on that team, and they do not need to be there if she's a part of that team. But if the Gotham Knights team has already disbanded, then what other team would she be part of? The team hasn't disbanded. What? Who's left besides Tim and Cass? (laughs) Asriel and Batwing were just talking. Sided with Kate and said, we're with Kate. Yeah, but that's the point. They're part of the team. They should have their say. And Cash should have been able to talk as, as Clayface died, as she was Basil's closest friend. Where's the victim's advocate here? This whole thing is just stupid. <laughs> like, like this whole courtroom is this is the dumbest thing. When was the last time Damien and Kate were in the same issue of a comic book? That's why Damien doesn't have a real decision in the process. And he says, none of, he has some stupid immature response. He doesn't actually say whether or not she belongs on the team or not because he says that nobody belongs on the team. So using that as a point doesn't make any sense. Batman selected a guy who doesn't even know her, who's a teenager, to put her fate on a team that he's not on. It's just, I don't know. I mean, obviously we disagree, which is fun. The Gotham, but the, the thing is, the Gotham Knights are done. I don't see them coming back. Even if Kate was said... Even if this 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 entire situation went in the direction where yes, Kate can still be part of the group that all of these people that you guys are saying don't make any sense to vote on whether or not she's part of the group. My thing is, she wasn't part of either one of the groups before she was on the Gotham Knights. She was not part of the Bat family, other than she wore that bat 
and she operated in Gotham City. She was not part of the Bat family. I think we, like going back years ago, even when Batman Eternal started up, and they were using Batwoman in the pages of Batman Eternal, it didn't make any sense because she wasn't falling in line with anything else going on in her own series at the time or anywhere else. She wasn't involved with the Bat family, so including her, and at the time I believe we all agreed that it was really stupid that she was being included in something that she had no part of even if they were trying to like build her up this entire time she's never been part of the bat family Bringing- so she have the bat family judge her then yeah i don't know what your connection is what does it matter you're, making an argument not- for it. So you're right yeah, she's I'm not trying to connect family. you're thinking please connect her not being a part to this batman brought her into the bat family by okay. bringing her into the gotham knights she made this decision to kill clayface his decision to figure out whether or not to keep her around the Bat family slash the Gotham Knights in general or the association with the Bat symbol on her chest or the Bat family by that association, has he has decided to have the Bat family as a group, not the Gotham Knights that she was part of, but the Bat family who's been established for much longer than most of the other people who you guys are saying should be involved in this decision-making process, having them decide whether or not she belongs associated with the Bat family. Huh? Man. <laughs> I just I just think that there's... You've got some fallacies in your in your logic is all... I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know if this is going to get solved. This is kind of exciting. We though, just disagree on this one. Yeah, yeah I mean, I this, just... I think this is the most we've ever argued, which is kind of fun, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Just not there with you, sir. Yeah, because when I read this, I'm like, what are these guys even doing here? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, it's just, that's okay. That's, hey, that's what makes good entertainment. <laughs> Highest rated show ever. Yeah. We're just like, wow, I don't get it. Like, All right, so moving on. Detective Comics, number 175, <laughs> gets a total of four out of five batarangs from me. What do you guys give it? Oh, man. Two out of five. Yeah, that's a little ball, man. Yeah, the the saving grace for me is Batgirl's uh, characterization. I'll agree with that and say a two out of five. And over on the website, Ian gave it four and a half out of five. So that's going to give Detective Comics number 975 a total of three out of five batarangs. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's move over to the website for Greater Gotham. First up, on February 21st, Main TV Books, where we talked about Batman number 41, Nightwing number 39, a captured Nightwing, remembers the second time he faced off against the Judge while he was off in college. This was reviewed by Paul. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, neutral. Neutral. Batwoman number 12, the story of Kate's last year on Corena is told. This was reviewed by Tony. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a th- neutral. 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 Batman and the Signal number two. The Signal and Detective IC appear to have solved the mystery of the metas, but the person behind it all presents a new challenge. So by Adele, he gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral, I guess, yeah. Abstain. Batman's rogues gallery invades New York City in the absence of Harley, while Killer Croc reclaims what is his. So by David, he gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Abstain. 
Secondary TBU books, The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman number 1, Diana and Steve's Vacation, is interrupted by an unknown guest as Bruce investigates the situation in the Irish quarter of Gotham City. This is reviewed by Tony. He gave it 5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. The art is fantastic. Abstain. Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, number 4, Batman, Robin, and the Turtles regroup after their defeat as Donatello makes a desperate move to defeat Bane. This is you by Paul. He gave it 4 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Abstain. Batman Sins of the Father, number 1, which includes digital chapters number 1 through 2. Based on the Batman Telltale series video game, Batman is winning the trust of Gotham's police force, while Bruce's attempts to make amends for his father's crimes are derailed when a mysterious assassin strikes. This is by Dan. He gave it 4 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Abstain. Main DC Universe books, Super Sons number 13. Just as John and Damien start to get accustomed to school, Talia Ghoul shows up demanding Damien join her. After he refuses, Talia goes after someone close to the family. This is by Bill. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Justice League number 39, the League's public image takes hit after hit as they deal with the continuing crises. This is by Ian. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs uh, neutral. Thumbs down. (laughs) That's not good. I don't know. I can't decide if it's bad or if I just about it. Trinity number 18, the heroes continue their interviews about their latest adventure through Scartaris. Super by Tony, he gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Secondary DC Universe books, Bombshells United number 12, which includes digital chapters number 23 through 24. The Bombshell versions of Batwoman, Question, Talia al Ghul, Jason Todd, and Hederick appear in this issue. Damage number two, the appearance from the Suicide Squad. An appearance from the Suicide Squad includes Deadshot and Harley Quinn. Injustice 2, number 20, which includes digital chapters number 39 through 40. The Injustice versions of Batman, Batgirl, Harley Quinn, Ra's al Ghul, and Joker all appear in the issue. Teen Titans Go, number 26, which includes digital chapters number 51 through 52. Teen Titans Go versions of Robin and Killer Moth appear in the issue. Moving on to February 28th, main TV books. We already talked about Detective Comics. Batgirl number 20, Batgirl has a run-in with an old flame who is up to no good, as all as she recalls some of the good and not-so-good times she has had in Burnside. This is by Jerry. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Batman Beyond number 17, Stalker's benefactor and a figure from Terry's past are revealed as Batman and Stalker continue to fight. This is by Adele. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Hmm. I'll give it a neutral. It's no secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books. Teen Titans number 17. Despite the team's tower being destroyed, many try to move on and look to the future. A disgruntled Beast Boy becomes entangled with a dangerous tech group called the Lost Boys. This is right. Bill, he gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, Sam? Neutral. Justice League of America number 25. Batman, Black Canary, and Dream Slayer travel back to the microverse to recreate Angor. This was by Tony. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Thumbs down. It's awful. <laughs> Abstain. Suicide Squad number 36. The Suicide Squad returns to Belle Reve to find Hack in control of the prison and thirsty for revenge. This is by Paul. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Dune Patrol, JLA Special Number 1, Retcon, after failing to sell the Prime Earth, tries to end reality, but alas, the woman saves the day as the Milk Wars event comes to an end. This is by Tony. He gave it 3 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. 
Neutral. Abstain. And then secondary DC Universe books, Gotham City Garage number 10, which includes digital chapters 19 through 20. The Gotham City Garage versions of Black Canary, Harley Quinn, Ra's al Ghul, The League of Shadows, Jason Todd, Batman, and Alfred all appear in the issue. The Silencer number 2, Talia al Ghul, and Leviathan both appear in the issue. And then finally, TVU trades and hardcovers over the past two weeks include Robin Year One Deluxe Edition hardcover, Mother Panic Volume 2 Under Her Skin trade paperback, The Joker, an adult coloring book, the New Teen Titans Omnibus Volume 2 New Edition Hardcover, Young Justice Book 2 Trade Paperback, Flashpoint Unwrapped Hardcover, The DC Universe by Neil Gaiman Trade Paperback, Batman Superpowers Trade Paperback, Justice League Volume 5 Legacy Trade Paperback, Teen Titans Volume 2 The Rise of Aqualad Trade Paperback. So that's everything that's released over the past two weeks. If you are interested in reading some of those reviews that we mentioned that we gave thumbs up thumbs down neutral ratings to we have detailed synopses of all of those issues so if you are unable to pick up those issues you can definitely check out the detailed reviews of all of those comics over on the website we have reviews normally posting on wednesday thursday and friday every single week um wednesday being all of the batman specific titles Thursday being all of the Greater Gotham stuff, including like Nightwing, Batgirl, that kind of stuff. And then on Fridays, we have all the Greater DC Universe stuff as well. So uh, definitely check out the website for all kinds of reviews every single every single week because there's always books releasing. Outside of that, we're going to dive into listener Q&As. We're going to cover Ian and Jessica's on the next episode just because we're running out of time here. But we will be covering Tim Drake fans, so we'll do that one. <laughs> There was a time before, a time above. There were perfect things, diamond absolutes. Dick Grayson and Tim Drake were like brothers. Then the new 52 came and screwed everything up. Rebirth is supposed to bring back old relationships, but one of the biggest relationships pre-52 was Tim and Dick as brothers, even after Damien showed up. Other than the Nightwing issue with Tim in it after his quote-unquote death, this has not been addressed. And that, combined with the lack of Tim reacting to Bruce getting married, is the biggest mistake of Rebirth. None of this has to do with your last episode, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Regarding worries, I'm concerned about the end of Tanyan's detective run approaching faster than we thought it would be. Adding to this concern is the lack of Tim on any of the Justice League squads. It baffles and infuriates me that the little demon spawn is on a JL team before Dick, Tim, or even Jason. I'm sorry this is a bit rambly but i need to get these thoughts off my chest evan g so um, i definitely agree that there has been a lack of relationship between a lot of the members the immediate members of the bad family even the relationship between dick and damien has only been hinted or talked about a very few amount of times since rebirth um but in general it there's a lot of characters in the Bat family that seem disconnected. I honestly believe that Batgirl, despite having Nightwing pop up in her own series for an arc, and despite appearing in Detective Comics like this this time around, uh, honestly, a lot of the characters popping up in Detective Comics, I, I feel as if there's a lot of characters that, that have not had a lot of relationships between them being shown. And I feel like that, that probably should change. Hopefully that does change with 
whoever comes on board Detective Comics and, and the, if they decide to keep it a team book, maybe focus a little bit more on the Corbat family and build those relationships. A lot of the problem is that it seems like even in Detective Comics, we've had a lot of focus on these massive situations that the team is in where there's not even a whole lot of time for the individual members to have relationships. It was a little bit more relevant or a little bit more prominent in the beginning of the the run of Tynan, but I think that now it's become like what crazy situation is the team going to get in and just keeps getting crazier and crazier as we go on and it's just gotten away from just having those those personal relationship moments between the characters. Yeah, and I think that the team got away from the core too much too, to be honest with you. When it first started, you had Spoiler and you had Red Robin, Tim Drake, Robin, whatever we're calling it now, and Batwoman, and then the Clayface and Cass. And to me, those are all still kind of B's and A's, with the exception of Clayface, which is just kind of weird. But I think the farther away you got with Azrael and Batwing and just, yeah, I think having the core characters would, would be nice again. I did appreciate the nice little reference in the recent detective issue to what I feel like was old, like pre-Flashpoint Tim and Nightwing. And I only know this because I've recently read the issue where Nightwing has his arm around Tim and says, when are you going to come to Bloodhaven and we can punch people on the top of trains? And like there literally is an issue where they're blindfolded atop a train and then they have to fight people. And so I thought, how wonderful that is. Which wonder, then you have to wonder when Tynion's off the title, are we going to have someone with that amount of, of Tim and Steph love uh, come and that knowledge base come on it as well so that's a little disconcerting as well but i agree you know the relationships are are one of the reasons why we love this team so much and why they're called a family all right so that is the only comment we're going to get to i apologize for not getting to those other comments but truth be told both of the other comments were more about thoughts on regarding things and not specific questions but we will get to those questions i promise on the next episode we're trying to keep these episodes under two hours and so that is part of the reason, and honestly, we spent a lot more time on Detective Comics than I probably would have thought, as well as talking about all the stuff having to do with solicitations and stuff that's coming up for the changes and things like that. So with that, that is everything for this episode. I want to encourage you to head over to the website and leave comments on the podcast post. Uh, if you leave comments somewhere else like Twitter or YouTube or anywhere else that we have the podcast listed i will see those comments and try to port them over to the comment section but posting them on the actual comment section is the best way to get your questions asked without me potentially missing them that being said be sure to head over the website to check out everything related to movies tv merchandise video games and of course the comics also be sure to check us out on facebook twitter and youtube for all this news and videos from the batman universe we have tons of other podcasts that have released over the past couple weeks. And just a quick plug, it was recently announced that Robin Everyone Loves a Drake is putting together a Lonely Place of Living radio drama. So be that that's coming out later, late spring. Um, so be on the lookout for that. We'll have more announcements related to that in the in the months ahead but that is something to look forward to that uh, the site is going to be part of we have new episodes of bat fans back with oracle so definitely check out all the stuff that we have over on the site gotham is back so gotham chronicle is back as well so be sure to head over the site i mean there's literally tons of content we have some new editorials that are posting up occasionally so be sure to check out all that stuff 
And then on top of that, we have all the news. Outside of that, if you are so inclined to support us through Patreon, we are always looking for new supporters through Patreon. As I asked in the last episode, if anybody has any ideas on different rewards that you'd like to see us do for the for Patreon, I'm looking at changing the reward tiers um, in the coming months. Nothing's worked out in stone yet, but if anybody has any suggestions on what you'd like to see, whether it be maybe a piece of Bat merchandise with the TVU logo or something like that, or whether you have some other ideas, I'm all ears. I want to make the Patreon super positive for people to support us, and then obviously make it worth your time and money as well. So if you are so inclined to even share comments, even if you're not supporting us on Patreon, you can shoot us those comments either on the comment section or email at tbu at thebatmanverse.net. Outside of that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. R.I.P. Kanan. This is Ed. This is Nora Wexley. And you have been listening to the Batman vs. Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Ah!